in the first discipline that we talk about it is the heart. It's caring for your heart. It is being mindful of what is going on in your heart. There is a big difference between the knowledge we have in our head and what happens in our heart. As somebody has once said, it is a long 18-inch journey. So you may be very confident with the knowledge that you have, but we're talking about this knowledge you have being worked out in your life because it's what flows from your heart. The, uh, it goes without saying at Grace Bible Church, we talk a lot about the heart and being how deceitful the heart can be. So hopefully today uh, I will be an encouragement to you as you do shepherd your heart. And because of the time that we do care for our heart, it should impact our homes. Whether you live by yourself, you live with a parent, you live with your family, whatever your living condition, there should be a flavor because of who we are. James 1.22 sums it up very completely and very briefly. Uh, Don't just be a, a hearer of the word. Do what it says. But as we care for our heart, We should be living that way. There should be an impact in our home. Even if you are living with non-believers, there should be an impact in your home. And then, of course, how this affects your ministry. In talking to a group of ladies, many that I know, your ministry happens at Starbucks. Your ministry happens at playgroups. Your ministry happens all around you. And I hope that the time that we spend, you would be mindful of how, where your ministry is, because it's everywhere. Our life is ministry. And I hope that what I present today, you will see the practicalness of it, that this can impact every relationship you have. So with that said, let me pray, and then we will just jump right in. Father, I do pray, Lord, that for each of us, we would not merely be a hearer of your word, but we would do what it says. Father, we come to you as as people that are so dependent upon the reality and the truth of your gospel that you sent your son from heaven to earth who lived a perfect life who died a horrific death, that you could look upon us as being clean. Father, we come in utter dependence that when you look upon us, you are only looking at the finished work of your Son on the cross, who did everything completely to to pay for the sin that we have committed. Father, we praise you for that. Father, we praise you that our hope is in his completed work in rising from the dead, that we could live forever, eternally with you. Father, I pray, Lord, that the words that come from my mouth would be a blessing to those that are hearing. Father, I pray that the words that come from my mouth would be how I live. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit's work in me is progressive and you promise to continually grow me into his image. And I pray all this in your son's name.
Well, the message that I'm bringing you today, I could easily call it D1, 2, or 3. I intend to give the implications of how this does affect your home and how this does affect your ministry. But I did label it in Discipline 1. It's your heart. We are starting with us as individuals, but this message, I hope, practically will impact every area of your life. I, I know our hope, that the hope of the elders, is that you would not just come to Wellspring and soak up teaching, but you would apply it to your life, you would apply it in your homes, you would apply it in your ministry to other people. In your handouts, you'll find a, a sheet to write on. You'll find two sheets with circles. They are different. One's gray, one's blue, the circle. Uh, and we're going to go through both those circles. And then you'll have your homework sheet. But let me tell you how this, this message that I'm bringing you today, where it even came from. Uh, it truly comes from many years of evaluating my own heart and my own sin and confessing my sin and repenting from sin. It comes from years of being a biblical counselor. And it comes from just sitting, talking with other Christians. This whole concept of circles, it is not unique. Uh, I have seen uh, Paul Tripp diagrammed it in Instruments of the Redeemer's Hands. There's a, a local ministry CTO that kind of did something with the diagram, but Scott and I were sitting at a Paradise Bakery, and we were talking about sin in, in people's lives. And, and it was a particular situation we were talking about. And we could trace where it started with a minor disappointment in a person's life. And, and we got talking about caring for an individual and so the, this little circle diagram came to be with a bunch of verses. And I know as Scott and I continue to work on this, it's going to look probably different again next year uh, because we've gotten a lot of great feedback as, as we've kind of talked through it, presented it. But I hope this will be a, a portrait of what Scripture says and it will make sense to you, not just for applying to your own life, but Definitely applying to your own life, but also applying it with your kids in your home and also with, with your friends. Maybe in small group, maybe, maybe just friends in a coffee, coffee shop. I have seen a pattern where people will have a, even a great desire, a moral desire, not an evil desire. And it changed from what they desire to what they think they deserve to what they begin to demand. So I, I hope, in practicality, this is will become very clear as we go through this. I have found in the midst of disappointments, things just not going my way, and they can be as stupid, as subtle as... Guys, just a little insight to what goes on in my heart. It could be as subtle as walking into the post office in the line. It could be traffic. It, it could be stuff that is, can be so subtle if we are not aware of what is going on in our hearts. 
we can absolutely fall into this slippery slope that we're going to talk about. I have seen people with a subtle complaint go on into a full pursuit of sin. I believe this message truly exposes the truth of how deceitful the heart is. This message that I bring to you today is still something that I I have to work on in myself. So I don't want you to think, wow, Tom's really got it figured out. I truly would want you to realize I am just a beggar trying to help other beggars find the bread. We never graduate from battling sin in our lives. So let me start with asking you a question. This is on your handout. And the question is this, why do you read the Bible? Take a, take a moment, I want to give you a little time to, to think about it, but right now, why do you read the Bible? As you're writing your answer, you might, you might think, wow, that's really an odd question. You know, Why would he ask me why I read the Bible? But I know if you haven't answered this question before you go to the Word of God, there's a good chance you'll miss many blessings from being in God's Word. So why do you read the Bible? Let let me me explain it just a little bit further, because I, I do want to tie this into other areas of your life. I am sure probably all of you will have a time in your day at home with your kids where it's time to read a Bible story. That's great. But I would encourage you to be reinforcing at a very young age, why do we read God's Word? For your child doesn't have to become like me and get really close to old before I realize the importance of why do I read the Bible? If I, and I'm sure you're like me, so don't judge me, but I can go to the Word of God and I could spend a good deal of time reading God's Word and, and not have prepared my heart and absolutely walk away wondering, what did I just read? Where did I just read? And, and I don't think you are, are much different than me. We, we need to be prepared to know, why am I here? There, there are several great reasons for reading Scripture, and I really hope that we would just equip ourselves with great answers to this important question. We come before God with our Bibles open so that we would grow in our knowledge of God. We would grow in expressing our love to God. We would grow in our enjoyment and delight in God. Grow in our fear of God. It, it is good for me to remember that the God I worship is powerful to send the unredeemed to hell. I need to grow in my understanding of my need for God. Grow in my relationship with God. There's many great reasons. 
Uh, and I just encourage you as you spend time with God's Word, when, when you read stories with your children, remind them. Why do we do this? Uh, you know, it's interesting as being the elder that is over next generation. I will go from class to class. I am odd at, at such a young age. Many of these kids, when they're asked questions in next generation, it's obvious that you guys are training them up, that they know the word of God. But it's not enough to have head knowledge. We need to have it penetrating our heart. And that's where it is. Why do I read God's word? That That is what's going to be the penetrating. It's not enough to pass and win at Bible trivia, but it needs to impact my life. So keep in mind, why do I come to the word of God? The primary hope to this message is wrapped up in all of these. And I truly have prayed since I've been preparing this that we would all grow in our holiness of life. You know, what does our life look like once we've left our time in the Word, we've closed our Bible? That is the, that's where the rubber meets the road. What does my life look like now that I've closed my Bible? And again, as I've said it a couple of times this morning in different contexts, it goes back to James 1.22. It's not that we want to be just a, a hearer of the Word. I need to be a doer of God's word. I hope that the time we spend on this lesson, we would all be better equipped to recognize sin in our life and how to fight sin when we see it in ourselves. I think it, it goes without saying that GBC, there's a huge amount of encouragement to be shepherding your heart daily. Shepherding your heart by being in God's word. But now I want to direct you to focus on and help you see the need to shepherd your heart all day long when your Bible is no longer open. The the purpose of shepherding your heart is not to have a great quiet time. Shepherding your heart prepares you for when things happen throughout your day that you can remember what God's Word says. Point two on on your outline, shepherding my heart throughout the day, listening to myself, my thoughts, my reasonings. Before we get to the circles, I want to talk about, because Scripture does talk about thinking biblically about desires, and I'm going to talk a lot more about what desires are, but just to remind you that there are good things from Scripture about desires. First uh, Peter one twenty two, a, a desire to love others. That's a wonderful thing to desire. Second Corinthians five two, a longing to be with the Lord. We we have a desire to be pleasing to Him, to be with Him. Second Corinthians five nine, we make it our goal to please Him. We some versions say we make it our ambition. It is wonderful. There are biblical desires. It's not that desires are evil. There are many wonderful desires. Hebrews 13.21, to be pleasing in his sight. Ephesians 1.4, to be holy and blameless in his sight. There are wonderful desires. 
the point two on your handout is what might I hear myself tell tell me throughout the day concerning desires we may hear ourselves telling ourselves I desire I really deserve what I desire to the point of even demanding what I desire when we get caught in the I deserve I demand we typically can no longer think biblically we can no longer think about loving others we can no longer think about being pleasing in God's sight we can no longer think of our ambition is to be pleasing in God's sight now, you have two circles and we're going to look at the, the gray circle first and it's titled listening to yourself versus shepherding your heart throughout the day uh, the gray one, that's the wrong way. This, this is a pattern of sin. And as we look through these sins that we can manifest, I would want you to remember what you see here is what Scripture tells us from Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, about the deeds of the flesh. That there's three categories of deeds. Yeah, three, got it. Uh, Three categories of deeds of the flesh. It is the selfish ambition. It, it can be false religion. It, it's, it's when we want what we want and we think we know what's best and we think we're sovereign over our life. It, it's making things idols. You know, we, we laugh at Israel and how stupid they were for making a little gold calf, but that's what we do in our lives too with stupid stuff. Uh, sexual immorality. There are three categories of deeds of the flesh that get manifested when we have not shepherded our heart. In the first diagram, what we see here, and if you're looking at it, it, it starts here at the top with, a, with an I desire. And j- just to re- remind you that desires aren't necessarily evil. In James 4.1, it says... What causes fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it your desires? It doesn't say, isn't it your sinful desires, your evil desires? No, it says, isn't it your desires that wage war inside of you? There's many, I know every one of us has desires. It may be a desire for a happy life. It may be a desire for a husband. It may be a desire for kids. It may be a desire for perfect kids maybe desire for a clean house or maybe even the people that live there to pick up after themselves why are you guys chuckling at that hmm uh, it may be a desire for no traffic when you're on the road it may be a desire for a short line when you go to the bank Think about it. You, you know what desires can ensnare you. But as you continue to, to look here to what would be, if you're looking at your paper to your left, uh, we're wise in our own estimation. We think we know what's best for us. We're, we're really not teachable because we think for sure we know what we want and this is the best way. Uh, it's boastful. It's plans that leave God out. Uh, grumbling, being really, 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 really honest with you, my besetting sin that I 
truly, I can tell you, I've seen the Holy Spirit work in my life. Uh, I'll tell you, my flesh, I am a grumbler. I'm good at it. And I need to guard my heart from grumbling when things don't go my way. Um, it, it can be complaining. And this doesn't mean that you are verbally saying this. It's what's going on in your heart. You know, I mentioned the post office. It's not like I go into the post office and go postal because there's a line. That's what's going on right here in my heart. I I could feel it coming towards my esophagus that I want to say something, but you know what I'm talking about. You know when your heart just, you just, this isn't what I have time for today. And the first thing that happens it's disappointment. And, and I would call disappointment a red flag. If you see yourself being disappointed, if we're looking at D2 and 3, when you see the people in your home being disappointed, when you see the, the friend of yours you're having coffee with being disappointed, it's a red flag going on. There, there should be, you should see something waving. Wait a second. There's complaining going on. You, you should see a red flag. Because what continues, if you continue on the left side of the paper, is it's disputing. It's a love of self. I want what I want. Selfish ambition. Critical of others. You know, this red flag as we go from disappointment to the next red flag, which is discouragement. What happens at this point, and I, I have seen it, I have seen it in myself, I encourage you to ponder this. What happens when we have disappointment, when we have discouragement, we get to a place, and it's the last little line there on your left side of the circle, we become a lover of pleasure and comfort. You might say, I don't see that. Well, let me help you with a few. could be what we eat. I say that first because one of my sins is gluttony. Uh, you know, I need to be careful. Gossip. It, it could be anything we do in excess. It might be working to excess. It may be watching TV to excess. It might be reading books to excess. It's any excessive behavior. It might not be a bad behavior, but it's excessive. Uh, and I, I don't know about women, but I know men, a big thing. Video games. Do you guys play video games? No? Women, don't, women don't play video games. Okay. So I, you can't relate to that. But I, I, I remember one guy I was counseling, and it was not in the context of Grace Bible Church, so don't try to guess who this person is. Uh, he was spending 25 hours a week playing video games. That's excessive. Uh, it could be uh, ooh, shopping, spending money, laziness, drunkenness. How about just withdrawing from people? Just kind of going into your little shell and doing the silent treatment. But what happens in this point from disappointment to discouragement is it is very easy for the unshepherded heart to
to fall into patterns of sin. We continue on with enviness and jealousy. Boy, everybody else seems to have a perfect life. Ungrateful. Anxiousness. You know, it's interesting because this, this anxiousness, I do believe... Because this is kind of a slippery slope of disappointment to discouragement, anxiousness, uh, it even gets labeled a respectable sin. It, it, it's easy to think, well, it's just a little bit of anxiousness. It's just in this one area of my life. But I, I would encourage you to think about, is there something I am desiring that is causing, it, it may be security. Security is a wonderful thing. Safety, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. But am I putting my desire above what God has for me today? Could turn into anger. Uh, could be overcome by evil. Uh, we get to a point of despair where there's no hope and there's a, there's no prayer. We're we're living a life without peace. We bite and devour one another. We are truly hopeless. And I really think, and I didn't see this when Scott and I talked about it, but as as I've heard him talk about it, he has talks about the swirling in it, where it just doesn't end at despair. But I I have seen people where it is just a continual circle where they can't stop the disappointment, the discouragement, the despair. I I have seen and. I, I have seen it cause people where they can't leave the house. I have seen and counsel people that are suicidal. It, this is a real thing if we aren't guarding ourselves from disappointment, discouragement, to the point of despair. And guys, I'm being really honest about myself and my own sin. Uh, so don't model me. I'm just telling you how easy this is. I can get past disappointment without even realizing I've been disappointed. I can be well on my way to discouragement before I've even grasped hold. Ah, this is what's going on. It can be subtle. It can be a bad pattern. Remember what I told you. My besetting sin is to be a grumbler. I can see grumbling in my heart and not even take hold of the fact that is sinful. Don't be like me. It is sinful. I'm, and when I become aware of it, I do confess because God's faithful, He's just, He forgives and He cleanses. But I want you to understand how subtle this can be. You might be saying, well, I'm not disappointed. Check on yourself. Because it is easy to go right past disappointment to, to getting to a dis- to becoming discouraged and I would tell you for myself it's I don't it's really hard for me to get to a point of being in despair but that's just me and but I tell you what I can blow past disappointment and not even see it and I bet some of you can too You know, let me say something about listening to yourself, because all all this right here is truly, we are telling ourselves, we have this desire, we are telling ourselves that we deserve it, that's why we're complaining about it, I 
could even get to the point of demanding, when I don't get my way, we can end up in sin. But here's what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. And he was writing about spiritual depression. And he said, the problem we have is this. We listen to ourselves when we should be speaking to ourselves. Let me illustrate what that means. We, we listen to what we think we need, what we want, and they could be wonderful things, instead of telling ourselves what God's Word says we deserve. You know, at this point, we can easily say, if you see this pattern, it is easy to go from a desire to a deserve to, I am demanding it. Any questions about this doctor's diagram before I go on? This is your chance to stump the elder. Feel free. Okay, and we'll have time at the when we're done too to take some more questions. But if what can I expect if the cycle continues unbroken? You're easily disappointed. I mean, as you just continue around that circle, you are easily disappointed. You're easily discouraged. Bible reading seems useless. Begin to doubt God. And and it it may not be every one of these. Uh, It's more kind of a smorgasbord. Some of you have an easier time finding your Bible reading to be useless than than doubting God's goodness, but I'm just throwing this out because this is kind of what I see. It's a doubting God's faithfulness. It's doubting closeness to God. I could tell you worship is very hard. We question God. Question God's purposes. hard-hearted towards others. And the fruit of the Spirit is absent from us. And we can, left to our own device, can just swirl in this and swirl in this. Let me uh, go to the next point. It's shepherding my heart, thoughts, and reasonings. And it's the blue circle. It's, It's the I desire in recognizing what I truly deserve. And it equals, I relinquish my perceived rights. There are no demands. What I must tell myself when my Bible is no longer open throughout the day concerning what I truly desire. What I truly don't desire, I should say. What what I truly deserve. Uh, Again, it's okay to have desires. Desires aren't sinful. But I'm going to read you a few verses. Uh, Proverbs 16. And they, they are on the blue circle in the center where it says desires right in the middle there. Uh, here's some desires. To man belongs the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. A man's way seems innocent to him but motives are weighed by the Lord. Your 
responsibility, what you want is always subject to God's sovereignty. And we can be self-deceived, but God knows our motives. Proverbs 16.9 In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We are utterly dependent on God's sovereignty. Proverbs 21.2 A man's way seems right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 28.26 He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. The fool perishes because of the object of his trust cannot save him. Proverbs 8, I'm going to read it again, 28, 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. James 4.13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Here, here's the thing, this is not a condemnation about planning. It, it's, it's talking about when our plans don't include God. And, and that's what you see here on this left side of the circle. You know, James 4.13, I just read, if the Lord wills. Uh, it's a heart that's been shepherded. It's the I desire what I truly deserve and then relinquishing my perceived rights. We have no demands. We, we, we love others. We don't seek our own. We, we prefer others. We're not wise in our own estimation. We are, we are willing to listen to counsel. It, it is humility. We walk in humility. You know, and, and the reality is, is there may be disappointment, but it's very short-lived because you are speaking to yourself. You are doing what God's Word says. What does Scripture say we truly deserve? Let's go to Romans chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Verse 5, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. It says we deserve wrath. We deserve judgment. Romans 5, verses 6 through 12. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rare will anyone die for a righteous man, but for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified 
by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? God's word says we deserve wrath. And we're being saved from God's wrath through Jesus Christ. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God throughout through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have received something much better than what we deserve. God's scripture says we deserve wrath. And I know you're very familiar with this one. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but a gift from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's word says we deserve death. This life is only a gift from his son Jesus Christ. So, to the person that is speaking to themselves, as I wait in line at the post office, as I sit in traffic, it's, this is much better than I deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve death. This is a wonderful day. Let's look one more place in Scripture of the example of a man that relinquished relinquished his rights. And it's 2 Corinthians. And again, I know it's a verse you're familiar with, but it's such an amazing passage. It's worth reading and, and talking about. What we see here in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians is, is Paul explaining. He's explaining what took place in his life 14 years earlier. And he, and he was somehow caught up and he was saw Jesus in the third heaven. Uh, he's face to face with the Lord and he's telling us to keep him from becoming conceited something happens to him. And it's verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, that's seeing Jesus that he just talked about, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. You could probably relate to this one. Three times I pled with the Lord to take it away from me. I am certain all of us have had things where we pled with the Lord for, for something. In verse 9, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul speaking now about himself, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in result of hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had a wonderful desire. Whatever this thorn in the flesh was, whatever this messenger of Satan was, it was a wonderful desire to go to the Lord three times and say, Lord, please take this. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. And and here's a man, we see Paul, who absolutely set aside 
his desire to be pleasing and depend on the Lord. Disappointment, short-lived, dependent is at the bottom of the circle, and hopeful. This is back to the blue circle cycle. When we talk to ourselves, we remind ourselves what I really deserve. My disappointment is short-lived. I can understand what God says I deserve, recognize I have far more than I deserve, and now I can be thankful. What, what you see here from, from disappointment being short-lived, you have... And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I want to combine this with your point three, and it's getting to the going to the root is what's on your study guide. So bear with me as we work through this. But it is moving from disappointment that that's short lived, and it's being patient. To be patient, it's not easily offended when, if you're married, your spouse may say something to you. It's not easily offended. We have the ability to put up with others. It's thankfulness. You know, there's three verses there, but 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful always. This is God's will for you. If you're the type of person that likes to wonder, what is God's will for my life? It's right here. He wants you to be thankful. Forgiving. We are called to not be offended, but we are to forgive. Gentle. Right now, when, when we were looking at the gray circle, I talked about it being the deeds of the flesh being manifested in us. Remember, the deeds of the flesh are what identify non-believers. I'm not saying if you ever practice a deed of the flesh, you're a non-believer, but I would want you to know it. That's sin. And what we're encouraging here now in the blue circle is putting on right thinking, running from sin, recognizing what where sin may be in the midst of things that you think you might desire. But this gentleness that is spoken about here is I could be gentle because I could just sit back and trust God. Because when as we go through here, and you see Romans 8.28 and forward, we know that God is working all things together for good, for those that love Him. We, we know that there's nothing that's going to separate the, the believer from Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of having a short-lived disappointment, we are dependent on the Lord. Kindness. Remember, kindness, it, it refers to, it relates to tender concerns for others. Romans 2.4 tells us that God's kindness is what leads to repentance. So when you see this and you repent, that's God's kindness. When you may be an instrument of God's kindness in another person, and you may see repentance in other people because of kindness. It's, it's loving this loving that's in the fruit of the Spirit, it is a biblical love and it is an action. This particular love, because there's four words for love, there's one, there's four Greek words that translate into one English word, love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about the love that God had for us. We're talking about 
the love that he would allow his son to die for us. This love and the fruit of the Spirit is our willingness to die to our desires, to die to what we want for the sake of another person. You practicing the fruit of the Spirit, you're utterly dependent on the Lord. And, and here's the thing to remember. When, when I say we're dependent on the Lord, it might be really easy to think dependent on the Lord that, that God saved us. And that's a true statement. But you and I are dependent on the Lord that we would be growing as Christians. It's not about us reading enough books or reading our Bible enough and having this quiet time every day. It is emulating what the character of God in our lives and we grow into his likeness. So I, I want you to think when you're thinking dependent on the Lord. Yes, it is salvation. Yes, it is. It's the sanctification process. And on the chart, and I don't have mine with me, but I know you have one. We are living in that mixed condition. We are saved, and we are progressively growing, and that is our dependence. It's a contentment, and that's tied to joy. You're content with the way things are. You may have this wonderful desire. You may want perfect kids. You may want a clean house, and everybody in your house to be working to the same goal as having a clean house, whatever your desire is, but you're content with what the Lord has for you that day. It is well with my soul. This is what the Lord has. It's about the endurance that we can continue because we're utterly dependent on the Lord. It's self-control. Again, a fruit of the Spirit. It refers to the person's ability to have Mastery over your desires, over your passions, joyful. This joy, 70 times in Scripture you see the word of joy, the word joy, and almost every time you see the word joy, it is signifying the feeling of happiness based on spiritual realities of being saved. It's not because things are going my way. I get to the post office and there's nobody there. I get on the freeway at 8.30 in the morning and there's no traffic. No, our joy is in the reality of our salvation. And if you are looking for joy to be based on something you desire, you may be disappointed. You may become discouraged. It may not go your way. But it, it, joy is a deep-down sense of well-being that you know your relationship with the Lord. And, and again, just like I'm over here with thankfulness, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, joyful, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, again, this is God's will. It says, be joyful always. It continues to say, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all things because this is God's will for you. God's will, if you want to know God's will, God wants Tom to be full of joy. He wants you to be full of joy. Again, we're hopeful. And, and here's, here's the thing that we are hopeful in. We are hopeful in a God that is always trustworthy, that there is nothing that is going to separate us from Christ Jesus. If you are looking for something else for hope, other than 
the reality, the spiritual reality for the Christian that we will never be separated from Christ Jesus, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed, discouraged, despair. In our culture, that word for despair would be depression. How many people... And I realize I want to be sensitive. There, there may be people in this room that are more prone to get depressed. Uh, and I'm not saying this is a cure-all that you'll never be depressed. And I'm being cautious not even to say that being depressed is sin. But I would ask you, look what's going on in your life. Are you disappointed because of unmet expectations? Because I realize there are some some that are just more burdened than others. So I don't want you to think Tom said this is sinful. No. Uh, some, it's a heavier thing, but it goes back to the circle. You know, are you doing things in excess? Are you, have you withdrawn from other people? We, even if God has designed you in a way that you might be a little bit heavier than the, as far as depression than the next person. It, it's, are these red flags present? And that's, so I don't want you, and I realize I have said plenty and we're, words are many. I don't want you to misunderstand it. I'm not saying that being depressed is sinful, but I'm saying it's a red flag and you should be checking on yourself. And you could feel free to tear me apart with questions on that. But the bottom line of what I'm trying to communicate is watch yourself that you're not falling into sinful behaviors. And I'm back on the blue circle. Uh, not vengeful. You're not trying to pay people back. Devoted to prayer. When we are devoted to prayer, we are showing God that we are worshiping who we are truly dependent in, to dependent on. To be peaceable, to be peaceful, to be a peacemaker. Overcome evil with good. Again, what we see in Paul's life is he set aside all his all his desires to have that thorn in the flesh removed and that he was utterly dependent on God's grace for his life. Let me, before I go on, are there any questions? And I really kind of think maybe I did not speak clearly enough on depression because I don't want to be misunderstood. Are there any questions? Janet, yes. Sure. Uh, I think there are times when we see sin. It is disappointing. Uh, But what manifests out of my disappointment? Is it grumbling, complaining? Or is it going in prayer and just, Lord, help me... And, you know, many of you are moms, so let's tie it to, to a child. Where you see sin in a child, are you now going to be dependent on your form of discipline? of, Or are you going to be dependent on God's word? Because here's the thing, and this is how I want to tie this to D2 as well. How do you help your child recognize their sinful patterns? Guys, I was 
I was getting old before I figured a lot of this stuff out. If you can teach this to your children, and I think it's very age appropriate, uh, how you have the, as you start to see behaviors that are sinful patterns, but sure there's things that are disappointing, but we utterly, we go back and we depend on the Lord. Any other questions before I go on? Feel, Feel free to stop me. Yes, Pam. Yes. Um, so in terms of diagrams, if we're talking to someone who isn't a believer, yes. do we look like with a gray circle plot or is it? Mm. You know, if we're talking to a non-believer, is that, did I hear you correctly? Yes. Our only hope when we talk to non-believers is the gospel. If, if we are talking to somebody who is not a believer in the midst of disappointing things going on in their life. It may be a marriage that's falling apart. It may, their hope is not that you're going to have a perfect life if your marriage is okay. You're not going to have a perfect life if your child is obedient. But where do we find our contentment? And I think it's a call to go to the gospel that, that there is not perfection here on earth in anything that we can live or live out. But what is perfect is a, is a Savior that died. And uh, it, it could very well be, because our only responsibility isn't to save them. Our only responsibility is to, to sow the seeds. They might say, I ain't buying what you're selling, in, in the midst of where they're at, but you're telling them the truth. Yes. Do you recommend any great way of striking up that conversation? Sure. Sure. Uh, I think uh, that that is a great question. Uh, I think too often we will just point fingers. Uh, I'm pretty fast to point <laughs> fingers. Uh, it is asking questions. Uh, when you see, let's, let's tie it to a child. When you see, uh, harshness in their tone, it, it is a good thing to say, what is it that you're desiring right now? Yeah, is there something that you want? And it is always a great question to, to say, what have you done about this that you want? Have they gone in prayer. Help teach your children, kids, how to pray when there's something they want. Or it may even be something that they want is not even helpful for them. And why it wouldn't be helpful. I know when I was a kid, mom and dad, can I get a mini bike? Well, I wouldn't be here today if I would have gotten a mini bike because I would have killed myself. But, I mean, sometimes kids want things that are just, no, that's just not practical. It's not safe. Any other questions? You guys are way too easy. I was expecting it to be much harder. Yes, Jenny. Bluntly. 
question I I truly believe uh, if you see where truly depressed to the point where they have kind of shut down they're withdrawn they're not going to church they're not going to their small group they're they're not interacting with believers they have a profession of faith I think the place to start for my heart for your heart for their heart is God's character. Uh, my favorite places to start would be Psalm 103 or Psalm 145. If you're dealing with somebody that is depressed, or even a Psalm 13, you know, where it ends, oh Lord, how long will this be? Uh, but I know for the believer what I need to be reminded of is God's character, God's faithful, God's trustworthy, God's good, God's merciful. And the two Psalms I mentioned, they are just a kind of a line item. And, and the gospel's there. God forgives. But we need to help the person we're speaking with bring to the gospel what what we own, own in the gospel, which our sin. How do I bring my sin to the gospel? By confessing, agreeing with God, God, this is sinful. So, Jamie, to answer your question, I would start with, let's go through Psalm 103. What, what does this say about God? Do you, do you believe this to be true? Is, is there comfort knowing that we serve a God, as it says, a God with benefits? And the benefits are, he's a forgiving God. He, he makes everything right. At the foot of the cross, everything gets level. And, and so hopefully, for me, that is an easy place for me to bring the gospel into somebody's life. And it starts with reminding them of who God is. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you I've sat with numerous people and over the years where they have swirled in this circle for such a long period of time that, and I'm kind of just, Giving you something. Don't don't start on that Calvinist stuff. Well, I understand God's sovereignty, but I need to start with God's character. D- do you, we believe if 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 a person professes to be a Christian and they do not believe that God is a is a gracious God, is a merciful God? Wait, what do you think being a Christian is? Who, who is this God that you want to serve? Because they have the wrong God. For the Christian, our God is everything scripture says about him. And, and I've seen people where they're just saying, I don't want to go there. I, you know, I need help with my problems. I don't want the Bible. Well, and, and sometimes you just work and work and work. I have seen people to a point of depression or even suicide that I think Christians can get there. I, I do believe people that have had a, a, a true change, but get caught up in the slippery slope of sin, need somebody to come back and just remind them of the truth of the gospel. And sometimes it seems, I know I've thrown up my hands and maybe they just don't believe in this is full on evangelism, and 
But I have seen hearts soften. I, I have seen people repent. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in people's lives that I, I know God's word is true. So I hope hopefully that will help. Yes? Can you, um, that's all helpful, can you address without opening up a huge can of worms, the the, um, medical, uh, if there is a medical part to Hmm. Wow, that is a huge can of worms. Watch this disclaimer. This is Tom speaking, and I'm not speaking for all the elders. Uh, I'll tell you my own opinion. Can I add one to that? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Lynn. That that is a great point. Uh, and that that is James five sixteen about praying for others. It could be spiritual, it could be physical, and it could be both. Uh, here's my two cents, and I and I tell you what, I have moved. I at one point I was very hardcore anti medicine. Uh, I don't want to step away from the reality of God's word. I want to be a full court press on the gospel. I want to keep the word of God in front of somebody. But I have seen where somebody, because of the wrong thinking, is so bad that the medicine for a period of time has got them to a vertical position where you can now deal with their brain and with their heart. Uh, so if I'm answering your question, I, I, if somebody was on medicine that came to me for counsel, I would not say, you got to get up. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, and it, there's times where I've had many people that did bring it up, and then I, I will address it. But my, my, my goal as I'm counseling isn't to get them off their drugs. My goal is to get them to live an obedient life, to look more Christ-like, to, to desire to be more Christ-like. And I will deal with the other things later. Uh, frequently, my experience is people that I have started counseling that are already on medication, they have this desire, and sometimes they do stupid things like just end it without even saying anything, and then they, they're an absolute mess, and they tell you a week later, like, quit taking my medicine a week ago. And you know, if you went on medicine with the doctor, please go off medicine with your doctor. Uh, but I, I can tell you, I, I had uh, a dear friend that had a brain tumor, and I saw where medicine got him vertical because of the trauma. That, and, and I'm not a doctor, so and I don't even want to. I, I respect that, but my goal is to help somebody walk in obedience. And the medicine side of it is not even an issue for me. And I don't think I'm speaking differently than what any of the other elders would say, but it's something that we've never discussed. And, and I can tell you, I came from a, a hardcore position where I, I really thought meds were... Uh, not helpful for the believer, but I I've repented from that view. Did that did I answer your question? Because sometimes I could say a lot of words and not really answer the question. Or, 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 
absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, well, that's a great point. I, I believe when Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that we were made in God's image, I believe we were made in God's image. It was perfect. Sin entered the world. Uh, you know, I realize that much of what goes on in our world of sin and being sinned against and in, in a perfect world you don't have head traumas in a perfect world you don't have physical traumas uh, there wasn't death before sin so how does I mean we're talking healthy and it's the way it's going to be when we get to eternity forever so sin entered the world and I, and I don't want to just kind of just make it sound so here's the one word answer sin but at the same time there's a, a lot of brain trauma that goes on or, or even reaction to other medicines or yes Missy. hormonal you know imbalances or whatever I wouldn't know about that <laughs> but, uh, I just I mean, you know, no yes absolutely absolutely Absolutely. You know? And so it's if there I think it's wise to seek out if there can be a help in getting upright due to hmm. a hormonal problem or something under right. something going wrong in on a physical level. That can be helpful. Yep. You know, and, and like you said, not ignoring the sin right. the implications of not ignoring obedience. But you know, as your friend with the tumor and experience, it is very difficult under a physical problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I'll say this about myself. Uh, we church discipline because of a lack of repentance. I will walk a mile with somebody that is really striving to repent. I will go and I'll go and I'll go and I'll go and I'll continue to go when it's not that we're looking for perfection but when I see somebody that is truly broken over sin but the, the life is still a mess and they're still having a, a tough time because of choices and decisions from years ago they're still affecting you know their life today I will walk a mile and a mile and a mile for somebody that is just trying to be pleasing before the Lord, as we should too. But when the person does the the, the James 1, 5, when, when the person says, there's nothing wrong with my behavior, when Scripture says something is dark and they're saying, no, this is perfectly light, when Scripture says this is sin and they said, no, it's perfectly okay, then you... Again, it's the full court press. No, this is what God's word says. But to the person that is broken over their sin and just fighting, we keep walking and walking and walking and keeping biblical truths in front of them. You know, I, I think it is so subtle to be disappointed uh, that it takes me coming and reminding us. And we're on a path of sin. 
if we don't watch our disappointment, if our disappointment is not short-lived, if our dependence doesn't go to the Lord quickly, uh, we're on a path. And guys, I was well on my way to being old before I really kind of figured this out. And if you can take this, because I did want to tie it to D2 and D3, if you could take this and teach this to your children, you're going to save them a lot of the heartaches that it took me a lot of years to figure out. You know, if you're sitting there, and I'm just going to name a couple that I know are kind of more typical of, of, well, no, this one's not. I talk to single guys that really desire strongly to be married, and I know you talk to single women that want to be married, but, but helping them recognizing the pattern that they could be on. It is a wonderful thing to want to have a spouse. But do you see, because they're not getting their desire, excessive behaviors? A, a big one is, for, for guys, it's video games or, or pleasure. For, for Sometimes it could be to be working 80 hours a week. I mean, it is an escape. And so as you see your children, as you see the, your friends, as you talk, if, if you see this, where there's a disappointment that's causing... They're even confessing sin. Help them recognize what might be causing the sin pattern. You know, what is it you're desiring right now? You know, if here's one, you know, anger by being harsh in, in your home and you're talking with your friend and they're talking about how they were, what were you desiring? Because remember, James 4.1 says, it's not evil desires, it just says it's desires. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Sometimes they're wonderful desires. Uh, and I pray that, and I have been praying, that these circles, as you shepherd your own heart, that you would be shepherding your heart throughout the day. But as you meet with friends, that, that you would be able to help them recognize the circle that so easily, easily ensnares us. It easily ensnares me. I know it easily ensnares you, if you're being honest. Our time in God's Word isn't just for the purpose of having a quiet time. Our time in God's Word is that we would live a life that's more like His Son. Let me pray. You guys can go to small groups. Father, I praise You for the reality of Your Word. Father, I praise you that you not only saved us, but you have given us everything for life and for godliness. Father, your, your divine power is awesome. It is, it is a good thing for us to sit here today and recognize that. Father, just thank you for, for being so long-suffering. Father, thank you for just not snuffing us out in Genesis 6. But Lord, your mercy, your mercy is new every morning. Father, we praise you for that. Father, I pray as the ladies go to their small group time, that it would just be a blessing for them and an encouragement to them. Father, I'm reminded of your word from Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another today as long as it's called today that no one would be caught in the deceitfulness of sin. Father, I pray that would be the remainder of our lives. And I pray this all in your Son's name. Amen.